We're hearing more and more about what we're calling entitled guests, the ones who are less tolerant, more demanding, more aggressive. And in this episode, I'm going to look at why this has come about, why we have more entitled guests, what are they, how we can deal with them, and the things we can put in place at the very start to help us to get less entitled guests. So here we go. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. And welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, super delighted to be back with you. Gosh, it's only the third week of July. Yeah, it is. It's the third week of July. And it seems like summer has gone on forever. One of the reasons here is it's super hot. It really has been super hot for the whole of July. We have had temperatures well into the 90s for, I think, about 13 or 14 days of July so far. And I don't have air conditioning in my house and I'm sitting here in my studio, which is in the basement, which should be cool. And it's not. And I have my little towel that I mop my brow with every so often. (laughs) And I am having AC installed, but it's not coming till the end of August, which is a bit crazy, really, because we are definitely not going to get temperatures that require AC here in Ontario. Well, we may do for a day or so. But what the heck, I'll have it for next year. Yeah, it will be. It will be fine in the end. I will just put up with with the heat and humidity. You know, before we know it, we'll be into winter and it doesn't look like I'll be heading away this year. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to be a snowbird because my planned three months in Alabama may just not pan out in 2021. We shall see. We shall see how this all pans out as this uh, pandemic progresses. I'm not really going to talk about pandemic much in this episode, except to talk about the sorts of attitudes that seemed to be more prevalent these days. And maybe it's because of COVID-19 that this is happening. So what I'm going to talk about, my title for this episode is short-term rentals in the age of entitlement. What is entitlement? I mean, we've been hearing about this a lot and I'm not going into any of the issues where the word entitlement has been used in the media more recently, but I just want to talk about it in terms of, you know, the belief that one's inherently deserving of some sort of privilege or special treatment. We we hear about, and I'm sorry, I have so many friends called Karen, so many, and I'm so sorry for you guys because this expression, oh, she's just a Karen, is just so predominant now in so many stories and memes and videos. So sorry, all the Karens out there that I know and love. But, you know, it's come from somewhere and it's come from this sense of entitlement that seems to be just more out there than we've seen before. And it's something that a lot of people, a lot of owners and property managers have been experiencing a lot over the past few months and really ever since 
rentals were opened up again. And that's certainly the case for us. And I do know that there are many areas now that are going back into lockdown. You're experiencing the whole cycle again of refunds and guests cancelling. And I am so sorry. I can't imagine what you're going through. But, uh, but hang in there. It will. It will. You will come out of it at the end intact. Just, just keep your faith. However, for those of us who are dealing with different people these days, they seem to be less tolerant, more demanding, and in some cases more aggressive. And, and you know, I don't buy into the idea that somebody mentioned recently that this is a millennial thing. You know, the fact that millennials grew up in environments where they were given everything that they wanted and that the no word wasn't used. You know, you had to grow your kids naturally and let them have whatever they wanted and they would develop into these most amazing human beings. Actually, many of them have. Many of them have grown into amazing human beings. And maybe there are some that seem to be a little more entitled than others. But you know, I see it in seniors as well, in exactly the same way. I see it when I go out into stores these days. And I see a sense of what I could call entitlement from the senior population. And as I have, I am just about to enter the senior population myself, because uh, I, I guess as you get one gets to a certain age and you get called a senior, so or an old age pensioner in England. <laughs> so I'm sort of examining my behaviour too. Um, do do I do this? And I know there's times when I can be a pretty bad complainer, and I get and we're going to cover this a little bit later on the different types of complainer and what we can do about them. And I know that over the past few months I've been examining my own behaviour and how I behave when something doesn't meet my expectations. And I have to say that there are times when I think I have acted as an entitled person and I'm doing some deep reflection right now and making some behavior changes. I don't think I was that bad, but yeah, there's, there's times it keeps coming back to me, you know, something went wrong, customer service wasn't great and I had a bad reaction to it. And I think we all do that, but it's a good time for us to reflect on how we behave ourselves if we are talking about how other people behave. So how I'm going to play out this episode is that I'm going to give you some examples of what's been happening to us and what's been happening to others over the past few months. And then we're going to go into a little bit of psychology. Those of you who've known me a long time, you know I was a psychologist. I don't claim to be a psychologist any longer because my membership of the British Psychological Society lapsed quite some years ago. But I I was a practicing psychologist for a number of years. And then I, I went into customer service. I was a customer services and management trainer. So I've been in this, this area of psychology and customer service for, for a lot of, of years. So we are going to go a little bit into the psychology of complaining, why they complain, and then why we respond in the way we do. And then talking about what can we do to make this better, not only for our guests, but for us as well. I mean, the way we handle these issues is really, really important because over the course of a season, and I've seen this in myself, I've seen this in my staff, that over the course of a season, the constant hammering of complaints and aggressiveness and sometimes passive aggressiveness, which can be just as harmful 
Over the course of of a season, this can be really, really wearing. And I know last year, my business partner said at the end of it, the end of the season, he said, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And of course, that was a little bit of an end of the season rant. And we've gone through the winter and we've come back in. We've actually put things in place to deal with some of the more emotive issues that happen and how we handle them. So I think we're coming into we've come into this season in a little bit of a better place. But there are things that we can do, and I'm going to go through a number of tactics and strategies, you know, how we can respond to a situation, whether it's by email or whether it's on the phone. And then finally, just talk about what we can put in place to make things better next time. So stopping potential problems before they start. So that's it. That's that's the way I'm going to go through this. Uh, I do want you to know that we've just relaunched our YouTube channel. We have not been spending much time in this. There's quite a few videos in there. So I'd love you to go have a look. But over the next few months, we're really going to populate that YouTube channel with a lot of small videos. So, you know, you can listen to me talking for... 50 minutes or an hour here. And if there's some parts that you'd like to go back and re-listen to, I'm going to separate them out and put them on in shorter videos in the YouTube channel. So from this podcast, for example, there might be four or five videos comes out of that. So the uh, YouTube channel is Vacation Rental Formula. I'll put the link at the the end of the show notes. Go take a look at that. Please subscribe. I would love to have more subscribers to the YouTube channel and hear your thoughts on what I'm posting there. I'm also going to be doing some more live streaming. So you're going to hear more of that on the Facebook group on the business of short-term rental and property management. Go there join and I'll be doing some live streaming on there and also on the YouTube channel. So that was a little commercial on my behalf and I'm moving right along. So I want to tell you a story. This one's from a couple of years ago. If anybody's been to one of our conferences and heard me speak on stage at a conference about complaints and how we deal with them, you'll have heard my goose story. And this was probably six, seven years ago. And we had, all our properties are on water, all our properties are on lakes. So we have water and we have our famous Canadian geese. Geese love water, they love grass. So we often have issues with the geese landing on the water and they look so cute. You know, the two mom and dad goose with all their little goslings floating behind them, paddling like crazy until they get out and they start pooping everywhere. That's another story. So I'm just going to tell you this, and I will come back to the poopy story, but let me tell you about the dead goose. So we had a family, and it was two families, in fact, eight people, four adults, four kids, staying at this beautiful property on the shores of one of our larger lakes. And it had a, a big expanse of lawn. Now, we hadn't had any complaints about goose poop, but we did get a call one morning to say there had been a tragedy. And they got up in the morning and looked out of the window and there was a goose dead on the lawn. And this was one of the gentlemen in the party that called. And he said, I need someone to come and pick this goose up off the lawn because my children are traumatized and you will be hearing from me about a refund. And I'm sort of a little bit gobsmacked here because wildlife happens 
wildlife lives, wildlife dies. And occasionally, wildlife might die on the lawn of a vacation rental. So, you know, I said to him, okay, um, are you in a position to go and pick up the goose and put it in a black garbage bag and put it out at the front of the property and we'll get somebody to come by and pick it up? And that was completely incensing to him. Absolutely not. This is not your goose. Your goose has died on the lawn that I've rented and therefore you're responsible for it. So I placated him somewhat, said, okay, I'll get somebody out to pick the goose up off the lawn. And he said, well, you better hurry because as I said, my children are traumatized. And with every hour that goose is on the lawn, harder time we're going to have in, you know, recovering this vacation. So I said, well, just close all the blinds on the lawn side of the house, and then you don't have to see it. And Let me send you out for, and it was morning, let me send you out for coffee. I've got a really nice coffee store in town. We'll send the whole family out, go and have some coffee, go and have, buy some donuts or whatever, all on us. And when you get back, the, hopefully, hopefully the goose will be removed. Oh no, we can't go outside at all. That is not possible. Not with that thing dead on the lawn. We're not going outside. So, so now we have this family that is totally confined to a house because they don't go outside because of the dead goose on the lawn. I have to cut this long story short. It, it could go on. But what transpired is that I could not get a property manager to go out. The property manager for that property actually had another job that he was on. He wasn't able to go there immediately. And... Uh, he wanted me to call them the township and get somebody to remove it. Well, that wasn't going to happen. But I had a brainwave. We have another owner of a property who lives fairly nearby. He, uh, he, he runs an ice fishing uh, camp during the winter and we rent his property during the summer. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. And they're the best owners ever. So Kim, Tim, if you're listening, this is you. You were the most amazing people on that day because Kim, you took my call and sent him around to remove the goose, which unfortunately couldn't happen until about two o'clock in the afternoon. And then that was when I got the call from Tim saying, okay, I'm here. I've, I've picked up what remained of the goose because the raccoons had been at it. So I'm so glad the blinds were down and they didn't have to see the, re- <laughs> didn't have to see the raccoon removal before we had the Tim removal. But anyway, that, that was the story. We then dealt with five days of calls and uh, demands for a day refund for this vacation because of, of this trauma. Now, what I'm going to say next will shock you because we refunded them a day of their vacation. I mean, some people aren't, you know, th- there's going to be some seasoned property managers out there who know exactly why we gave them a day back uh, out of our funds, because sometimes it's better to pay them and let them go. You know, they'll never rent from us again, ever, but they're gone. And we didn't have to deal with this. Con- we knew as soon as they, they got home, they would continue to complain. So <sighs> entitlement has been around a long time. <laughs> And it's not new, but I just want to give you a few other examples. And um, we had another goose poop one recently. I told you I was going back to the poop story. This was this was a couple of weeks ago that guests called to say well, it was the end of their stay, and they had a litany of complaints. One of which was it was too hot 
and there was no AC. Well, actually, when they booked the place, there was no AC. So when they got there, there was no AC either, except there was. There was a portable air conditioner. There were three fans. There were ceiling fans. But they had an awful time because it was hot and humid out. And, and we should have known this, apparently. And then the geese had arrived and the geese had pooped all over the lawn. Now, the owners who happened to be in the area the day after these guests arrived got this first call to say, they got a text, in fact, from the, uh, from the guest to say there was poop all over the lawn. And they went and they picked it all up. And then they said to the guest, unfortunately, we, you know, we live in Toronto. We're going back to Toronto. We won't be able to do this again. That just threw them for a loop. Um, and this is where the entitlement comes in because we're getting constant or the owner was getting constant texts saying who's coming to remove the poop today. And in the end, we had to write to them and say, you know, poop, goose poop removal is not in, it's not part of the rental fee or in cottage country. We did tell you about this, but that was uh, that, that was a strong refund request. And then when I said, unfortunately, no, we're not refunding you a day's vacation because there was goose poop on the lawn. I had a, a very strongly, very strongly worded email back that said, we will never rent with you again. And I'm going to tell all my friends never to rent with you as well. Do you know, years ago, that would have upset me. But now I'm just going, yes, thank you. Stay away and keep your friends away as well. <laughs> because, you know, when you think about it, the we forget about the 90, and it's not the 80-20 rule. I think it's about a 90-10 rule, about the 90% of guests who are just having the most amazing time. So much so they forget to tell us how much of an amazing time they've had. They just leave it to the other 10% who have decided that they're not going to enjoy their stay and they're going to tell us about it. So a couple of others, recent ones, and thank you to Andy Medic of Sea Change Vacation Rentals in, uh, in Delaware for sharing this one with me because it made me laugh so much. This was a guest who could not leave early. And of course, many of us have got COVID-19 cleaning in place, which has added on maybe a couple of hours to changeovers. They couldn't, lady did not want to leave early because she would be on an online yoga class. So she couldn't leave the half hour before the original checkout time. So I'm sure you've all heard this one. And also, you know, we've, we've asked our guests to arrive an hour and a half later, not four o'clock, but 5.30, to ensure that we get these COVID-19 protocols all gone through. And I had one that, uh, you know, can't arrive late. We, we cannot arrive at 5.30 because my nine-year-old and five-year-old have to eat their supper at five o'clock and we will be in the car and they won't be able to do that and that will ruin their routine for the entire vacation. Or we can't leave before 11 o'clock because my daughter's baby sleeps until a quarter to 11 and that would disrupt the routine. So we hear about this a lot. You know, people are worried about routines being disrupted because we've changed. We've, we've moved the goalposts. And I'll come back to that in, in a minute. We had somebody call and say someone needs to come and change a light bulb. And we said, well, there, there are light bulbs <laughs> and told them where they were. And they were not happy that they would have to do that themselves. Um, we've had campfire bans. Those of you who are listening who are in Ontario, you know, we've had a hot, dry spell and campfires are not allowed. And we do know that campfires are part of the experience. But to get the email that says a campfire is part of the experience and my children were looking forward to roasting marshmallows, this fire ban isn't fair. And I think we should get a refund for losing out on something that was promised. And I looked at the listing and it, 
you know, it waxes lyrical about sitting around the campfire and roasting the marshmallows because you know, most people can do that. But we are not in control of the weather. We had to leave early because the Wi-Fi kept buffering and my kids were getting mad because they couldn't stream their movies and their games. This has been a big one this year, the whole Wi-Fi issue. In our areas, we, we have to ask our guests to do recycling and often take their, their garbage to the dump before they go. This one, well, I love this one. The owner didn't love this one, but I did. The recycling instructions were too complicated, so we left it for you because we couldn't figure it out. And then I don't see why my friends can't visit for the day. Why do we have to let you know? And, and this, is, this, again, is a big issue, you know, the big issue of overcrowding. All our properties are under restrictive insurance that says, you know, you can, you can only have this amount of people at the property. And it's also the owner's request. And it's respectful. But we're finding more and more people aren't, in, aren't understanding that. So I think what's happening this year has, has had a lot of bearing on this. But, but let's examine for a moment why people complain. And I so take the beginner approach because we've got so many new guests that are totally unfamiliar with the short-term rental experience. They haven't got a clue what to expect. They've never done this before. They've got unrealistic expectations, might be based on previous experiences, like being in a resort or hotel accommodation, because that's what they're used to. But because they couldn't travel, they're going to a vacation rental instead. So we've just had a bunch of really, really new, new fight rent, uh, rental guests this year. We're also finding that people are not self-reliant. They're much less self-reliant. And many of them just don't understand there's no one to take care of their complaints immediately. And that sort of goes back to the previous one about the experiences of, of a resort or hotel. Because if something happens, you know, if a light goes out, then they ring the front desk and somebody comes, comes to fix it. But it was why this type of accommodation was called self-catering in the UK when I was there. You know, you went to a self-catering cottage and you did exactly that. You catered for yourself. <laughs> but the, the media and, and some companies are giving the impression that going to a rental is just like going to a hotel. You're going to have the same sorts of standards. It will be a sterile, etc. And the idea gets put forward that everything that goes along with being with a hotel will come with it, like concierge services. So thirdly, intolerance. We've been in lockdown for a long time and our guests have put a lot of emotion into making this vacation really special. They're getting out sometimes for the very first time. They want to make sure it is perfect for their family. And, you know, we're all positioned at any time at some level on an emotional scale. And this emotional scale sort of has joy and ecstasy right at the top and depression and misery at the bottom. But emotions such as frustration and irritation and annoyance are sort of in the middle. And people seem to be finding that level more than any other right now. It's a sort of base level. And... It's, it's almost that base level at the starting point of, of their day. I, I don't know whether you've experienced this, but certainly when I, when I even when I speak into my staff, I sometimes think, oh, you know, just lift it a notch at the beginning of the day. Let's have a, let's have a cheery good morning instead of a morning. Everybody all right? That seems to be a little bit more pervading in the last couple of months. 
And it's why a two-hour delay in checking in, checking out can seem like the worst thing that ever happened. Because you're finding that more people are waking in the morning thinking, instead of their thinking, what a great day it's going to be, instead it's more, what could go wrong today? And I know if you, if you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is put the news on, like I put it on this morning to say, you know, just, just all the COVID news and it's, it is depressing. So my, my answer to that is just don't put the news on. So another thing about, um, about complaining, and this was in a Forbes article, 2018, that companies have trained an entire generation of society that if you want a company to apologize, just threaten to blackmail it on social media, and most likely you'll get your way. When I was researching for doing this podcast, I looked up complainers. Way up at the top came articles on how to do it, how to get your money back, how to get a refund, how to get a discount. And we've got, you know, we can't do anything about that. That's out there. People like negative stuff. So they're more likely to go read those articles about how to complain and about how to be negative than they are the happy clappy ones at the moment. That's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. But it's very true. You know, if I know now, if I have a complaint about something, I go straight onto Facebook or Twitter. I uh, No, I don't. I don't go straight on there. I do go through the normal support channels, first of all, always. But if it's not being handled well, then, and I'm not getting a response because we all want to be responded to if we've got a, a genuine issue. So I'll go to Facebook or I'll make a complaint on Twitter. And nine times out of 10, that gives me an immediate response. So we're all being trained to, to do this. This is the way to do it. But of course, you know, if you get there way, way before they make that complaint, then or way, way before they need to go to social media, you've got it more better covered. So just briefly on, on complainers, you know, there are a number of different types of complainers and you probably will have come across most of them. So, well, the one we often see, I had a couple of these yesterday was the aggressive complainer. They start with the shouting the moment they get on the phone, I've got a complaint to make and it's immediate and they launch straight into the complaints. They often feel that they're not going to get listened to. So they'll shout as well because that's, that's how they get their own way. You know, they tend to be extroverts, they're controlling, they're pretty practical, decisive. We come across these quite a lot. Um, they want to get down to business. So avoid small talk. You get straight down to business. You give them options so that they feel more in control. But they are the most difficult to please. And they like to display their emotion. They like to display their anger. And often they're happier to display the anger than they are to achieve a solution. So the second one is a constructive complainer. These these are better for me because they often come along already with a solution in hand. They've decided what they want. They're organized, but can be pretty critical. They've already analyzed the problem and already come up with some solution. And they're usually calm and rational and detailed. So you can usually identify the the cause of the problem, which of course makes it easy to address. So I quite like, you know, if, if somebody has a genuine problem 
It's actually happened. They're not fabricating. They're not making it up. The constructive complainer is the one that will tell you exactly how they feel about it, how they feel it should have been handled and what they'd like to do in the future. And it makes a nice base to work from. Then there's the expressive complainer. These are the ones that will talk and talk and talk on the phone. You cannot get the word in edgeways because they just want to just let it all out. In an email, the email is going to be two pages long because they're expressing absolutely everything they feel about the situation. They're very sociable. They're impulsive as well. So they're a bit knee-jerk. Something happens and they're immediately on it without really thinking through how to approach it. And to some degree, I sympathize because I tend to be more of an expressive complainer. So they often use, expressive complainers will use social media often to express their dissatisfaction and may go straight to Facebook, may go straight to wherever they have the biggest audience. And the way to do, you need to respond publicly, quickly and positively in return. And one of the things that we never do when we're dealing with a complainer is go defensive. So it's always a positive response. Then there's the passive complainer. We call these the ones that are hidden in plain sight. They don't ever say anything while they're at the property, but they'll come back after they've left to tell you all the things that were wrong with it. Now, often the passive complainer is a serial complainer because you never hear from them while they're there. They will leave it till they they get home and put all their complaints into writing usually because they tend to be introverts. Passive complainers are usually introverts. They don't want to get on the phone. They just want to put it in writing and then ask for their refund. Years ago, we had a a lady called Margot who was a passive complainer and there was a mouse issue at the cottage she was at and we dealt with it very, very quickly Uh, sent somebody round, caught the mice. It was a single mouse. That's all they had. And the the owner took her a bottle of wine and a little gift basket to to alleviate, you know, the situation with the mouse. And she was fine during the week. Didn't hear a huge amount from her until the end of the stay. And then the complaints started. And it was horrific all the different things she was complaining about, about the deep, it was an unclean cottage. You've all heard this, you know. <laughs> this is not something you guys out there are hearing for the first time. You've all had these. You've all had a Margot. It took us, it took us about a week of calming Margot down and, and helping her deal with that situation. In those times, and this is going back probably 10 years or so, we weren't as flexible with how we would deal with something like that we would feel, well, we're being wronged because there was nothing wrong with the place and she's telling us how awful it was. Now we have a different approach where we think, how do we move this on? How do we get this person to the next level, which is off our email inbox and out of our voicemail box? And quite often that is giving a refund or, you know, placating in some way, some form of rebate. And I know it's, it's easy to say, well, if you do that, you're just perpetuating the behavior. I know that I can hear you and maybe it is, but unless you want to put on your cloak and call yourself an Avenger and you say, I'm going to go and deal with this so that she will never complain again because 
I've resolved all her psychological problems and I'm not giving her a refund, but she will never complain again. Ain't going to happen. You are not going to change somebody's behavior. And yes, it's possible that giving them a refund might reinforce the behavior. But as far as I'm concerned, it's not the behavior that's coming back to me because she'll never rent with us again. However, you wish to share that information with your colleagues or your network, that's entirely up to you. I would love to be able to shout names from the rooftops. I really would, but it's, it's just not something we are able to do. But unless, as I say, unless you want to be the cloaked Avenger, the, the way we look at it now is we pay to go away. We pay for them to go away. And whether you consider that's right or that's wrong, I'm not saying I don't care, but whether, whether you consider that's right or that's wrong, that is something for you to reflect upon. But for us as a company, it works. It really works. And because we self-insure, we take a, a, a $7 a day damage deposit, which is non-refundable. Over the years, we have amassed a pretty large fund. And really that's our... That is our go away fund. We're able to tap into that when we need to make one of these refunds. And yes, it does go against the grain. However, it makes us feel better in the long run. And and that's what's most important to us. Okay, so what can we do to deal with it and perhaps to prevent them these these things happening to we can't prevent entitlement. You know, it's it's there. We can just deal with it or put something in place to alleviate it when it happens. So you start with the three what's. What's the problem? What are the guest goals? What are the options? So start with them. If you've got any issue, take some time. Hopefully, if it's email, you've got time to sit and reflect. If it's a a phone complaint, then sometimes it's better to take 10 minutes out and so that you can sit back and reflect on it before you provide a solution. So what's the problem? What are the guest goals? What are the options? So here's a few things to do. First of all, avoid knee-jerk reactions. We all do this. You get somebody on the phone and immediately the adrenaline starts to rush and you're going to jump in there and say something. Basically, there's a psychological principle called the affect heuristic. And it's a type of mental shortcut where people make decisions that are heavily influenced by their current emotions. You know this, if you're feeling, if you're feeling crappy, you're going to make crappy decisions. And somebody gets on the phone and I had this a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned it in a newsletter. You know, somebody upset me and I immediately felt tears welling up and I was impacted by my emotions at the time, there were things going on in my life. There were things going on in my staff's life, in the country. And your emotional response plays a critical role in the choices and decisions you make. So we react according to how we feel at that moment in time. And that's what a knee-jerk reaction is. And if you think about it, your feelings of the relative goodness or badness of a particular person or an object or an activity just impact the decisions that you ultimately make. So to put it in a nutshell, write the letter you want to send them and send the letter that you should send them. I, I did that. I, I mentioned it in a news, getting on my newsletters, you heard me talk about the letter I wanted to send and the one I should send. 
if you're on the phone, ask for some time out. That is that is a beautiful thing to do. You know, don't make your decision right then and there. Tell them that you need to examine the situation. You need to look back on all the records. You need to talk to people and you'll come back to them in 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour or whatever with a solution. In that time, people have calmed down. So, it, but while you have somebody on the phone, stay calm and listen. Resist the temptation to interrupt them. Focus on their words, not the emotions they're bringing to them. And then you actively listen by reflecting their words. So if they might sound really, really angry, but what's happened was they've been surprised by something. So you hear the emotion of anger, but listen and let's say you hear the word surprise. So you respond by saying, I understand that this was surprising for you. Not, I can hear that you're angry, but I understand this was surprising for you. So you're using the same words and reflecting them back to them. It's, it's a very good, you know, it's what, it's what counsellors use. If you've ever been in counselling, you will know this is exact, exactly what they do. Counselling or coaching, they're going to reflect back exactly what you say. And it creates some rapport. So thirdly, you're going to empathise, acknowledge their feelings. You know, I know this is upsetting for you. I understand you're feeling upset right now. What can we do to fix that? So use empathy. And once again, if they remain angry, just use, let me call you back. And then you just allow for that 10, 15 minute breather. Because often when you call them back, they have had that time. If they've, if they've had a knee jerk reaction, you don't want to do the same, but you want to give them a chance or give you both a chance to just take a breather and look at the situation and see how you can take the next step forward. The next thing to do is respond without engaging. This is so important. You know, you get this long email from a guest with a complaint, and then the temptation is to go back and respond to every single one of those complaints, when in fact, it's their experience that they're putting down. And you need to go through all that they've said and pull out those emotions and respond to those. And if you're responding to specific things, just respond to the things that you can do something about or, or the things that you know were actually wrong. And I'm, I'm going to probably do another, another little session on, on this because it can be difficult when you've got a three-page, you know, an essay of an email with, with issues. And you do want to go back and say, no, you're wrong and I'm right and this didn't happen. When in fact, you just respond without that engagement. There's a great quote by Mark Twain, and my office manager quotes this all the time. And the quote is, never engage with a fool. They will bring you to their level and beat you with experience. Now, I would take out fool. I I don't like to call people foolish. But another one is never engage with an idiot. Again, they'll bring you to their level and beat beat you with experience. But never engage with a complainer. They'll bring you down to the level of where they've come in with the complaint and they've probably done this before. So just don't engage. Then find some common ground, you know, establish that you have things in common. It can help generate feelings of of empathy and understanding because you don't want to be at loggerheads for the entire conversation. You know, use expressions like, well, I I think we can agree. I think we can agree that it's not acceptable for X to have happened. We both want to get the best outcome here. Let's make a plan that works for everyone. I know we're both keen to get this resolved as fast as possible. So just 
find that common ground and talk to them as if you do understand where they're coming from because you really need to be getting in their shoes and understanding that you know understand the issue from their their position um next let go of fear fear of a negative outcome drives many of our reactions and it makes us want to control things so let go of the idea that you need to fix everything or anything in that matter just sometimes people just want an ear they just want to be listened to they want to be understood and they want somebody to tell them what the next steps are not to immediately produce a solution so finally you're going to reach agreement and end on a positive note this sounds all it sounds very pollyanna doesn't it but it's a framework it's a framework to to work within and i mean we deal with thousands of reservations every year out of those you know a fraction of them get into two big issues but we use this framework and and it does work great quote by steve milo steve who grew his business from a few of his own properties two thousands of them and he said understand the best response may be to settle and get a release even if the guest has totally fabricated the story so even if you think a guest has made everything up it doesn't matter because sometimes the best response may be just to move on you know, I know that I've said that may go against the grain. So finally, you want to stop potential problems before they start. You want to be proactive and recognizing the red flags. Most of us have been in this business long enough to recognize what the red flags are. You know, people asking for a discount, they kick off with a discount request, and that's usually a bad sign. It means they don't, they're not respecting the true value of your accommodation and they're going to try and squeeze some refunds and rebates out of you later on if you don't give them the discount because they want that money, whatever. You get multiple questions about amenities that are in the listing and pre-arrival materials you sent to them. This is, this is not red flagging somebody who just sends you the bunch of questions that they're sending to every owner or every property manager because they're cut and paste. But it's, it's once they're booked... And there's a continual litany of questions. Watch out for those because they tend to identify a potential serial complainer because they're going to ask all these questions and you make sure your replies are accurate because these questions and your answers might come back to bite in the end. And then, of course, there's your gut intuition. Sometimes it's, it's nothing in particular that somebody says or does. It's just that knot in your stomach that says they aren't the right guests. And in my experience, this feeling's almost always correct. You know, if, if your gut is screaming for you to run, then run. Of course, if you're using the major platforms exclusively to promote and market your property, this is a bit more difficult because you're not going to you're not going to talk to them on the phone beforehand and you may not be able to cut and run after they've booked and this actually makes a book direct strategy even more important so build your own website build an email list and grow those connections that you make through great content and regular communication because if you if you're continually communicating and filling that void between dream there and being there then it makes it less easy for them to complain to a sort of anonymous entity because you've had you've got that personal connection so that's why this book direct strategy is is just i think just a, a great thing to do of course 
you're going to meet and exceed their expectations because people are most often complain because their expectations weren't met. So if you've said something in a listing and there's no reality to it when the guests get there or, if you, or you've used superlatives like stunning, extraordinary, immaculate, amazing, and those superlatives don't meet your guest's perception of them or the reality of those superlatives doesn't meet your guest's perception of them, then you're going to run into trouble. So just be careful that everything you say in anything you send to them is matched by the reality. And then you educate your guests. You know, use, I mean, we're using a digital guide. We use Touchday and it has a COVID-19 section in it. And we have made it very clear why we've extended the time between checkout and check-in and why guests can't check in until 5.30 because we are covering all these COVID-19 protocols. So that whole guest guide is there that you can go back to and check over and over again. Have, of course, having terms and conditions of rental that, that cover all the major aspects of things like, you know, what happens in the event of a power outage? What happens in the event of an appliance failure? What's your policy with the wildlife? What about weather-related issues? And, you know, how are guests going to be compensated for the failure of Wi-Fi? So just make sure in all your terms and conditions that it's all laid out, and then you can refer back to them at any time. And then the last thing is something that we've been doing over the years is creating responses to common issues and practice. You know, we have one for the argument that a later checkout and an earlier check-in is leaving them only six days of rental. We've had this so often that that we've created a stock response, which tells them about making the place safe for them and safe for their family, etc. And the fact we're not charging any extra for those additional hours of cleaning, etc. So we might have taken two hours off their rental, but not charged for additional cleaning or disinfecting. One thing I will throw in there is that if we get a real pushback on that, we have been doing a proration of the weekly rental and uh, offering them a refund of, you know, sometimes it's sort of like $25, um, because that's the two hours they've missed. That seems to that seems to do the trick. And finally, having waivers and disclaimers in place, what you are responsible for and what you are not responsible for, that makes everything very, very clear cut. So there you are. We're in an age of entitlement, and I don't think this is going to go away. I think what's happened over the past three or four months has sort of set a foundation for a new type of of behavior. Something, you know, something amazingly good would have to happen to have people step back from this new habit of behavior that they can do this, they they can get away with it. And I know I mentioned earlier on that we were almost encouraging people to get away with it by giving the occasional refund, but it is the occasional one. I don't think there's any coming back from this change in behavior. So it's something, all we have to do is to put things in place to deal with it and to accept that it is what it is. And we do our best to be the hospitality professionals that we are. Because as my husband says, much as we'd like to say, please leave and don't let the door knock off your tiara on the way out. We are hospitality professionals. We take the rough with the smooth. And always remember that 90% or even more of your guests 
are amazing. They're having a fabulous time. They love you. And they're going to come back and spend time with you again. And there's such a balance between, there's a balance which really does come down on the side of great guests. But the problem is that it's a squeaky wheel is the one that gets the attention. So we just have to work out how we deal with that squeaky wheel and we'll make it. We'll make it through to the end of the season. And I'd love to hear from you. I love, I love your stories. I'd love to hear your stories about your entitled guests. So go to the show notes at vacationrentalformula.com and leave me a comment. And of course, if you can, I'd, I'd like you to go and leave me a review on iTunes. Please make it a good one because I'm just like you. I don't like to see bad reviews. And if you something you don't like, come directly to me rather than make it public, hey? So that's it for this week. As I say, you know, please go to our YouTube channel and check out some of the shorter videos that take some of these issues and it's a bit more visual. So, you know, if you want to take notes or something, you can go and do that. And I'll separate out some of these issues we've talked about into more bite-sized chunks. So thank you. Thank you for listening. I love doing this. I love being with you every single week. I've been doing this now for seven years and up to three, nearly 350 episodes and with nearly 700,000 downloads. So, and I'm still happy to come sit down every week and share my world with you. I hope you enjoy it. See you soon. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.